navigating the maze of mainstream narratives, Harrison Smith finds the hidden paths in the war room. All right, folks, we'll finish up with Navalny here and then uh, open up the phone lines for your calls and get into what we know about the shooters from uh, Kansas City. But there, there is still more to say about Navalny. Again, from the National Pulse article, Navalny's anti-imperialist stance concerning the wars Putin has waged in Russia's n- near abroad also appears to be calculated. In 2011, he said the Russians, Belarusians, and Ukrainians were the only ones who would eventually be reunited after the Maidan revolution, which every time we mention Maidan, just remember, I don't have to go over it every time, but just remember it was a coup. This was a coup that was carried out with protesters funded by Soros, organized against the duly elected president of uh, Ukraine who didn't want to go with the EU agreement and was siding more with Russia. So they kicked him out of office and held a big protest. And then the Maidan-controlled buildings had snipers on the roof shooting at the Maidan protesters in a false flag massacre in order to galvanize international support for the coup that overthrew the duly elected president kicked off the whole ukraine war that we now continue to fund and suffer through just a quick reminder there so after the maidan revolution sparked the first phase of the ukraine war in 2014 he was equivocal suggesting russian intervention was wrong but agreeing crimea was essentially russian and could not be handed back to ukraine towards the end of his life he changed his mind again saying crimea should indeed be handed back to Zelensky. the supposed supposed as evolution of his foreign policy position appears to be starker when we cast our minds back to 2008 when Russia invaded Georgia. Then, still a free man with his 2013 run for Moscow mayor, still years in the future, he backed intervention to the hilt and even branded Georgians rodents. Who then was Alexei Nalvini, a, a firm opponent of Putin to be sure, and one who at times told the Western establishment what they wanted to hear. His true convictions, if he had any, we will never know. But what we do know is the convictions of the people rushing to present him as something he wasn't. And that, again, is the same point I'm making. The people who want to use Nalvani don't give a damn about freedom, democracy, like the rule of law. These people are the ones violating it every chance they get. So just see it as what it is, a very simple power play. They want Putin gone. He was a useful tool to try to bring that about. So he was used and eventually killed for his efforts. Now we can go to clip number 10 here. This is an undercover video of Nalvani himself conspiring with an MI6 intelligence agent from the UK trying to get money to fund a color revolution in Ukraine. Let's watch. Clip 10. Says if we had more money, we would expand the opportunities, of course. Not a small, uh, not a small job. <laughs> so there you know. 
Alexei Nalvani uh, asking a foreign spy for 10 to 20 million dollars to carry out a campaign of propaganda and civil unrest to overthrow the Putin regime. I wonder if it was Stuart Rhodes ever caught on camera conspiring with a, a foreign intelligence agent asking for money to uh, carry out a coup in this country? No, nobody was sent to prison for uh, being near the Capitol on January 6th, for being in communication months before with somebody who walked through the crowd into the Capitol. Does it all not ring a bit hollow? Can we not see through the cynical exploitation of your emotions that they're trying to do to get more money for more wars to overthrow Putin for their own means? Hey, let me start by saying you do a great show. Thank you. Hey, let me point out that I took X2 iodine. I started taking that stuff. The best iodine I think I ever found is what you guys are selling. When did you start taking and it? I, about four years ago, I had high blood pressure, and I was on blood pressure medicine. Mm-hmm. And I started eating a little better, but my blood pressure stayed high. And when I took X2 iodine, after about three or four weeks, I think my body detoxified of a bunch of metals and stuff that my body was storing. And my blood pressure came down to perfect level. And I tell people the only thing I did was X2 iodine. And even though I do think all your other products are good, I recommend to anybody that they start with X2 iodine because it detoxifies your body and kind of kicks your natural DNA in, into uh, full force. So in my in my life, I found X2 iodine the best. I tried other iodines and they didn't have the same effect. But so X2 iodine, I really wanted to point that out. Smith is where the shields of truth are forged in the fires of inquiry. All right, welcome back, folks. This is The War Room. I'm going to go ahead and open up the phone lines for your calls. I'd like to request that if you are a regular caller or if you've called in and been on the show before, hold off on calling in right now. I would like to get new callers and hear from people that we haven't heard from before. So if you've never called in, Now's your opportunity to call in and uh, not hopefully have to wait on hold for too long as we move into some of these other topics. And if there's any topics that you want to discuss from the headlines I read in the first segment, things I mentioned that you have insight into or whatever, give us a call, 1-877-789-2539. 1-877-789-2539. Operators are standing by. <laughs> yeah, I saw that, guys. <laughs> Operate, phone operators are standing by to take your phone calls. <laughs> That's quick. That was, that was a quick fix. Well done. one 789 2539 So moving on from uh, Alexei Nalvani. But staying in the realm of Russia and Ukraine, very interesting story from Kellen McBreen on InfoWars. Com. Warmongering background of Biden undersecretary Newland exposed. Ukrainian filmmaker Igor Lopotonak, uh, Loko, <laughs> Lopotonak, Lopotonak posted a viral video, uh, viral Twitter thread on Wednesday, highlighting the nefarious background of Joe Biden's undersecretary of state for political f- affairs, Victoria Newland, 
as the director and producer of Ukraine on Fire, a documentary featuring legendary filmmaker Oliver Stone. Lopatonok has been following the Western Revolution in Ukraine for nearly a decade. Beginning his Twitter thread on Newland, the filmmaker explained her grandparents were from Moldova and Belarus, which may make things personal for her. Toria Newland's real fa- uh, father's real name was Noodleman. Her father's parents were born in Moldova and Belarus. This is how everything that happens in Ukraine is a retaliation on Russia. It's a personal vendetta for Toria. Throughout Newland's career, she's been a foreign service officer serving in embassies in Moscow, Mongolia, and China under the tutelage of warmongers like Dick Cheney. Newland became an expert at helping the military-industrial complex continue their endless wars. Newland, friends call her Toria, spent her entire career as a foreign service officer. She served in embassies in Moscow, Mongolia, and China, but her passion she found in serving the interest of the endless war. Here's Dick Cheney swearing Toria in to serve in the State Department. Lobotonic believes... Newland began working with the CIA after a stint on a, quote, Soviet Union fishing ship in the 1980s. Yeah, nothing suspicious about Victoria Newland taking a summer job on a Soviet fishing ship. After this, she worked for the American Democrat President Bill Clinton, where she led negotiations with former president of the Federal Reserve of Yugoslavia, Slobodan Milosevic, while NATO bombed the nation in 1999. Next big thing in Toria's life as a warmonger and engineer of the Iraq War together with her husband, Robert Kagan. Kagan is a top globalist social engineer and a founding member of the neoconservative think tank, the Project for the New American Century, and U.S. presidential foreign policy advisor under several administrations, one of the worst people in the world. I'll add as a personal aside. After Bill Clinton bombed Iraq in 1998, Kagan infamously said bombing Iraq isn't enough while pushing for American troops to land on the ground of the Arab nation. The Ukraine on Fire director suggested the Arab Spring also has Toria's fingerprints all over it before addressing her involvement in the Ukraine fiasco. Quote, I'm sure that the Arab Spring also has Toria fingerprints all over, but let's go to Ukraine. My dear friend and great investive journalist Robert Perry wrote this in uh, 2014. Well, in 2012, Newland was allegedly a part of a failed attempt to spark a revolution in Russia. Russian opposition leader Alexei Nalvani was reportedly one of her assets, and the operation was being overseen by then-U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. So there's the connection to Nalvani and Ambassador Mick Fall, who was also um, you know, very, very emotional, very upset about the uh, death of Nalvani. The director also posted a link to his documentary and provided a few additional links for people to research before Twitter CEO Elon Musk commented interesting thread on the post. This was actually from uh, last February. So this was posted a year ago, but it's worth revisiting in the wake of uh, Nalvani's death, reminding everyone that he was, in fact, an asset of the American State Department, who is and has been for years hell-bent on getting America into all sorts of wars for their own personal Vendettas. This is exactly how Victoria Newland, acting in favor of Hillary Clinton, was inserting Christopher Steele dossier on Donald Trump into the State Department excerpt from a documentary revealing Ukraine. And you understand all of this is connected, all of it's intertwined. There's a reason that they chose Russia to be the boogeyman in 2016 to claim that Trump was a, a Russian puppet. You get that this is a this is psychological priming for the eventual open conflict with Russia. The clandestine conflict had been going on for years and years. Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State under Obama, and 
my interpretation of this. She, she had the reset button. The way the globalists work is if you come willingly along, they prefer that. They prefer you to willingly lock yourself in the cage. They prefer countries like Russia to willingly subsume their national interest under the globalist agenda. And so they'll go there and say, oh, this is a reset button. We got a reset button. We're going to click it together. And uh, I think it was Lavrov, the foreign minister at the time, going, okay, thank you for the button, but uh, we have business to get to. And so they wanted to bring Russia under the confine, you know, maybe get some World Economic Forum actors in your in your administration, maybe let us seed and, and you know, infiltrate into your power structures, our subversive agents. And Russia didn't want to let them do that. And so the Ukraine coup was launched and the NATO advancement was accelerated. So you can come along nicely with the globalist and they'll pretend to be your friend. But if you rebuff them, then it's knives out, claws out, full on offensive. And that's more or less uh, what happened here. But you can see a similarity to the way Russia versus the West operate, not just in Ukraine, but there's a, a similarity to how things went down in the Middle East, where, you know, obviously it was most likely for the benefit of Israel, but the people that run America really wanted uh, Bashir al-Assad out of office. So, you know, the way they try to bring that about, we just had the disaster of the Iraq war and the Afghanistan war. So getting directly into a Conflict in Syria probably wasn't on the table. It wouldn't be as easy to false flag us into uh, another endless war in the Middle East. So instead, they went with the subversive uh, clandestine strategy of starting ISIS, starting the Arab Spring, trying to make the overthrow of Bashir al-Assad, which they had been projecting and, and desiring for a long time, making it look like it was some sort of groundswell grassroots campaign by the young people in the Middle East or, uh, you know, some sort of democratic mission by people that turned out to be ISIS. <laughs> so what happens is America loves to do things clandestinely. Israel loves to do things clandestinely. If they can carry out coups while remaining completely in the shadows using puppets, using activists, funding disruptive and subversive groups secretly, even, you know, using international finance like the IMF to install control mechanisms in different countries. They prefer to do things clandestinely. They prefer to do things quietly from the shadows. And then Russia basically stops them at a certain point. So it's the same thing that happened in Syria. It's the same thing that happened in Ukraine. So we, we start ISIS. We start the Arab Spring. We, you know, false flag about chemical weapons, trying to get Bashar al-Assad out of office. Eventually, Russia just like calls up Bashad and, or Assad and is like, hey, do you, do you need jets? Can we just come in there with tanks and just put a stop to this? So this is the image I get. It's like the Americans and the globalists are, are like the weasels, sneaky little ferrets they're trying to undermine everything and then eventually once they like get too close the russian bear just comes in and stomps them just goes all right we're sending the military in and we have an agreement with syria we get full operational capacity 
throughout the entire landmass. So we get to do whatever we want. We'll bomb whoever we want. And it's not violating international law because we're invited to do so by the uh, legitimate government of the country. Same thing happened in Ukraine. Right? Russia's doing things above board. America's sparking revolutions, color revolution, Maidan, snipers, false flag, all secretive. And then Russia's just like, all right, send in the troops. <laughs> it's like, okay, enough of that. Enough of that. We're not going to try to out-subverse you. We're not going to try to out, you know, sneakily manipulate everybody. We're not going to compete with you on that front. We're just sending in the army to stop you. You absolute ruthless deconstructionist. So there's, there's a continuity here between all of these things. And of course, Victoria Newland, Robert Kagan, I mean, their entire careers, their entire existence, it's been decade upon decade upon decade of starting ridiculous foreign wars that hugely damage the United States. They kill millions of people and cost us billions of dollars, achieve nothing, except to humiliate and ostracize us from the rest of the countries in the world, not directly under our control. And not only do they get away with it, they just do it again. They just do it again and again and again. They're celebrated for it. Nothing they've done has been successful. Nothing they've ever pursued from a nationalistic geopolitical perspective, nothing has brought a single benefit to America and yet they're still in power. They're still supposedly respected and they retain the ability to carry out more and more and more of these regime change programs overseas. It's infuriating. It really is. It really is. In a just world, the first time one of these war hawks gets us into one of these conflicts, the minute we realize what's happened, they should be treated like Alexei Novani. Let's go out to your calls here because I see a lot of uh, calls on this, uh, on these topics. Let's go to Andrew in Maryland. First, I think he was in uh, early. Thanks for calling in. Andrew, you're on the air. How you doing, Harrison? Good, thank you. Um, is there anything specific that we were supposed to talk about? Um, uh, I, yeah, I see you called in about, uh, about Tucker's visit to Russia and some of the videos he's coming yeah. out with. Yeah, I, did, I couldn't believe, like, how much, how much, like, cheaper stuff was in Russia, like, like the McDonald's, the grocery stores. Um, then like the subway system, like there wasn't a homeless people around. I, I just really surprised by that. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I have, um, I have a friend who worked for a Russian company until sanctions, you know, f- forced them to, to flee Russia because their main market was America, but he would go to Russia all the time. Uh, he wouldn't go to Moscow. He'd go, I think he'd go to St. Petersburg, but basically Every time he would come back just being like, it is amazing. You you can't understand how incredible Russia is unless you go visit it. I mean, he he was in love with Russia because the cities are clean and nice and beautiful. And, uh, yeah, that's that's actually what it's like. A bit different than uh, 
America, isn't it, Andrew? Yeah, I mean, I live in Maryland. I mean, I, I'm trying to get out of Maryland eventually. I just, it's a blue state. I'm, I just, I don't think I want to move out somewhere like West Coast, not West, West Coast, maybe like Wyoming or something. Mm-hmm. Somewhere out there, like also do uh, you, you uh, Harrison, you were talking with Owen and uh, Alex about the uh, about Joe Biden like being replaced. Or us trying to like uh, impeach him, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, my opinion on that is I agree with Owen on that. After I thought about it, because um, they're gonna they want to take him out of there anyway, and also too let them get let us get more dirt on him until we become you know what I mean until the election. That's um, yeah. No, I, I I definitely get that idea. I mean, I I just think. Whatever we can do that puts them on the defensive, I'm in favor of. So, like, even though it's the last year of the presidency and he's not really running things anyway, it's like at least make them justify their own actions. At least put the burden on them to defend themselves from an attack rather than us constantly being on the back foot and always, you know, just defending ourselves from their legalistic attacks. So I'm in favor of whatever can be done to put them on the back foot. Uh, and also with the, like getting dirt, it's like, how much more dirt do we need? How much more dirt can there possibly be on Joe Biden? I mean, what else is there to uncover? The man last week had a special counsel say in no uncertain terms in black and white in a full fledged hundred, 300 page report that he committed crimes, that he violated the law. And then they said, but he's too stupid. So He's too stupid to be charged. So we know he's mentally incompetent. We know he's corrupt. We know he has made millions upon millions of dollars off of their corrupt activities. We know that he used his position as the vice president to you know, wield power over Ukraine and get a prosecutor fired for the benefit of not just his son, but John Kerry's kids and uh, Nancy Pelosi's kids and Mitt Romney's kids. Like, how much more dirt could we possibly have? Is there anything that could be uncovered that would actually do damage to Joe Biden when you have a media this sycophantically dedicated to him? I mean, the man... <laughs> I don't even like talking about but the man abused his own family members to the point that they, his, it was his daughter or his niece was like, I have to take showers late at night so Joe doesn't join me. Uh, it's just, it's creepy beyond belief. So that sort of thing. It's like, oh, we need more dirt on Biden. What, what else could you possibly have? The man is everything wrong with politics in America embodied in a single vessel. And yet, it hasn't slowed him down at all, and, and he's still incredibly popular with Democrats. So I don't know. I don't know what uh, more dirt would even mean when you have, when he is literally, he is dirt. Everything about him is dirt. So I don't know how much more dirt we could possibly have. But thank you so much for the call, Andrew. I do appreciate it. And uh, I think what Tucker's doing, exposing what Russia's really like, hopefully can break through to some people and make them question what they thought we were doing in Ukraine. But let's go to Matt in Oregon because he says he has the real reason we're in Ukraine fighting Russia via proxy. Go ahead, Matt. You're on the air. Hey, Harrison. How you doing? Good, thanks. 
case, okay, so I'm not the only one that remembers this. Stu Pierre talks about this a little bit. But around 2014, 2015, Putin nationalized the central bank. And the Rothschilds have been screaming mad ever since. And that's why we're in Ukraine trying to overthrow Putin. And if you doubt me, um, three American presidents tried to nationalize the, the central bank. Andrew Jackson survived the assassination attempt. I think the gun jammed. But Lincoln and Kennedy did not. And you look at what they did to Gaddafi in Syria. He, um, Libya, Libya, he tried, yeah. To, yeah, tried to create the gold-backed dinar, and they took him out. And the first thing they did was confiscate the gold and re, uh, create a new central bank. That's why we're in Ukraine trying to overthrow Russia. Yeah, I didn't uh, – I, I... I didn't know that about Russia's central bank, but that's, I mean, that's always sort of a key component of these efforts to, to overthrow countries is because they don't have a central bank. I mean, you know, it, it used to be posted all the time. I haven't seen it in a while, but, you know, people will post the list of countries without a central bank, and it's a list of countries that America has helped to infiltrate and destroy over the last couple decades. So, yeah, that's very much, I mean, that is the control mechanism, the the international banking system central banking system, the IMF, the Rothschilds. I mean, that is the control system that they're insistent everybody needs to be under. And if you're not, you get attacked. So, yeah, I, th I think you're exactly right. So when it was 2014 that that happened? 2014, 2015, around that time frame. And you know, I, I think the Iranians don't have a IMF-controlled central bank either. Right. So if, if you want to check this out, there's an article in a YouTube video um, by Mike Rivero called All Wars Are Bankers' Wars. Not mm -hmm. that I agree a lot with Michael, but that took an interesting uh, take on or explanation on how bankers control wars and create wars. Yes, that's a classic. Absolutely. Thank you very much for the call, Matt. Uh, let's go to Michael in FEMA Region 10, also has a comment on uh, Putin's Russia. Go ahead, Michael. You're on the air. Yeah, Harrison. Hey, I just first of all, I just want to tell you that I think you do a great job. Oh, thank you. And uh, um, but the, the, I think the last caller from Oregon, um, a neighbor state of ours uh, where I am, uh, is correct. It's a component of what's going on. And and I think if we look at you know the uh, the Russian Revolution or the Bolshevik Revolution in 1917, which was during World War One, that was a banker's war. Um, you notice in the 1930s in America, FDR um, changed America to a more socialist uh, configuration. And then World War II radically transformed us, and we haven't had a constitutional war since World War II. In my opinion, the, the Ukraine war is really a banker's war. Uh, we know that money is a major factor. We see Rand Paul uh, sounding off because Rand Paul's a patriot and he knows, but most people in Congress are not. This is about money flowing in. But really what they're doing is they're just killing people on both sides. They're killing Christians. Mm -hmm. That's what this is about. They've been killing Christians since World War I. When, when the Bolshevik Revolution happened, they were doing the same thing in the United States of America. If you go into the cities and you read... Um, like, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, some of the, the historical documents, uh, Saul Alinsky type stuff that was even from back then, they were undermining American culture within the cities because they had a foothold. Their competitive advantage was uh, race relations, frankly, mm -hmm. and socialism. 
but America was too strong because we were too, we were so Christian back then. So they knew they had to break us down in the schools and through media and movies, etc. And that they took out the Russians. They killed over 20 million Christian mm-hmm. Russians. Russians and Americans are very similar people. I've been to Russia. I was in Russia in 1994. I went to Moscow and, and Petrograd, St. Petersburg, which was. Uh, formerly Leningrad. Mm-hmm. And the people there um, are very much like us. They're very uh, kind uh, people. They're very devout people. They're very strong people. In fact, I went in January of 94 to Moscow, and I was driving into Moscow on the bus, and there's the river. I think it's the Moscow River that goes through Moscow, and there's chunks of ice floating. I look over, and there's, there's four or five Russians swimming in the river. These are tough people. Oh, they're certainly tough. They're certainly tough people. No, that's the that's the tragedy of of war, and it and it always is. Anywhere you go in the world, you're going to find the vast majority of people are nice, decent people that you can get along with. It's uh, the leadership that has to trick us into wanting to kill these people. You're exactly right. All right, we'll be right back, folks. Hello, Americans. I want to share with you a story, a story about inflammation, the silent menace that lurks within our bodies affecting our health and well-being. Inflammation, the root cause of countless ailments, quietly wreaking havoc over time. Long-term exposure to inflammation has been linked to a myriad of health issues, from heart disease to arthritis, even cognitive decline. But fear not, for there's a beacon of hope found in the wisdom of nature, a remedy that has stood the test of time, turmeric. And now I present to you Baudis from InfoWarsStore.com, a powerful blend crafted with precision, boasting 95% curcuminoids extracted from turmeric. It's good for your heart, your brain, everything. It is 40% off, back in stock, Baudis Ultimate Turmeric Formula, InfoWarsStore.com. I was recently on the air in a two and a half plus hour interview with Elon Musk. And he was talking about the globalist plan to depopulate and destroy our families and destroy civilization. I said, what do we call it, Elon? He said, I don't know. And I said, what about team humanity? What would you call the debate and discussion about a pro-human future, just team humanity? Yeah, team humanity, absolutely. He said, yeah, let's call it team humanity. Well, I had the idea then to make the shirt. We've got two different limited edition variants of it, Team Humanity. And it's got the image of the nuclear family, Team Humanity, Infowars.com, 1776. 1776 worldwide. On the back, it says Team Humanity. This is a great conversation starter. It's a great way to discuss Team Humanity versus the globalists. We get obsessed with sports and all these different groups to distract and divert us and make us tribal. But aren't we really just humanity and a pro-human future versus the globalists and you will eat the bugs and their deindustrialization program? You will eat the bugs. If you stand against the open borders, the end of sovereignty, and the transgenderism, and the new world order, and the technocracy, and, and hearing that the age of humanity is over, then you are on Team Humanity. Get the limited edition shirts now at InfoWarsStore.com. It's a great conversation starter. You'll have amazing things develop. I predict if you wear it out in public, and it keeps the show on the air. It's a fundraiser. So the only way this fails is if you don't go to InfoWarsStore.com and get your Team Humanity shirt right now. And it's not the only limited edition shirt we just put out. We just put out one more. And that shirt is incredible. My own new design. 
a red, white, and blue Gadsden rattlesnake flag, 1776. It's got the InfoWars flag. It's got the American flag. It's got the establishment of InfoWars. This is a great shirt to identify yourself as a patriot with others and to link up with other folks and to let the leftists and the globalists know we're on the ground and we are powerful. So both the new 1776 Gadsden flag shirt and the two different variants of Team Humanity shirts, limited editions for a limited time at InfoWarsStore.com. You get the new 1776 Gadsden shirt, red, white, and blue, original design, and get the new Team Humanity shirts. And I thank you all for your support because you are on Team Humanity. Please go to InfoWarsStore.com and get amazing products like Next Level Foundational Energy. I don't have time to tell you about it. Just go research it. It is incredible. Just get it and you will be amazed. And then at least you know you're funding the operation. Get a copy of my book. That keeps me on air. Signed or unsigned. Fundraisers to sign copy. The Great Awakening. The plan to defeat the globalists and launch the next renaissance. Infowarsstore.com or 888-253-3139. If you are receiving this transmission, you are the resistance. Peeling back the layers of the day's events to reveal the core truth. War Room with Harrison Smith. All right, folks. Uh, we have a lot of other news to cover, but most of our callers have called in about Ukraine and Russia, so we'll stick with that topic for now. And on that topic, we told you yesterday about the Russia advances in Adivka, the, a, a stronghold sort of on the edge of uh, Donetsk, or uh, Donbass, rather. And, you know, my interpretation of this is that Russia basically achieved what it essentially wanted to, and was sort of happy where they were, wanted to have a, a peace agreement, say, we can put an end to this. You just got to allow us to administrate these provinces. You got to stop bombing them and stop trying to take them from us. So we didn't let them do that. U.S. and U.K. and other NATO allies interfered and prevented that peace agreement from coming about. And so Russia was like, all right, well, now we need a buffer zone. So now they're moving forward and advancing. And at the failure of the Ukraine counteroffensive, the Russian counter-counteroffensive now has begun, and they're having massive success. Story at Gateway Pundit, Adivka, defenses collapse, Ukraine's evacuate in chaos before being encircled. The Russian flag flies in the same place where Zelensky took his defiant selfie. Russian forces have divided the strongly fortified Donbass city of Avdivka in two, and they're strangling Russian troops in the southern section as they now control the main supply line while combat is ongoing in the north around the bastion of the coke plant. One image that surfaced yesterday is that the Russian flag has been unfurled at the Stella, the exact place where Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky took a defiant selfie picture. And there's the, the picture there. I, I'm not sure exactly when that picture was taken, but, you know, one of, uh, one of Zelensky's propaganda coups in the other video you see ukrainian service members leaving the avdivka area the stella is clearly visible and the soldiers in that video are fairly elderly not exactly the young men you would expect to be fighting this war because i think they've all been killed already and so now it's old men 
and people with Down syndrome and women that are being forced to the front. The Ukrainian brigade was urgently dispatched. We covered it yesterday. The story yesterday said Azov Battalion dispatched to Avdivka. Well, they were urgently dispatched to reinforce Avdivka's and uh, Adivka and is now completely surrounded, and the situation is critical. Azov, transferred to Adivka, is already whining that they are in their worst nightmare. The militants released a video with the description, Adivka, coke plant, 60 aerial bombs, day and night, enemy shelling from artillery and MLRS, continuous assaults on armored vehicles and imagery, imagery, imini, enemy infantry invasion. They use phosphorus shells, which can cause f- uh, fuel tanks to catch fire. Toxic smog threads through the, uh, spreads through the plant. Basically, what we see now is that the defense of the Ukrainian armed forces in Adivka are collapsing all around with Russian forces having taken the 40 fortified areas. Pro-Kiev Channel Deep State says it's, it's that uh, says that not everyone managed to escape from the Zenit Cherubushka base while running away. Thousands of defenders now face encirclement. The last escape routes of the Ukrainian armed forces are being cut off. Withdrawing forces from Abdivka, they've suffered heavy losses from Russian strikes, but also friendly fire and sheer loss of orientation leading to minefields. So not going well for the Ukrainians. Yet another tragedy added to the list of ones that could have been avoided by actually negotiating a peace at some point long, long ago. With that, we go back out to your phone calls. We've got uh, Joey in Vermont wants to talk about war and our money being sent to other countries. Go ahead, Joey. Hey, Mr. Smith. How you doing tonight? Good, thank you. Good, good. Um, you know, just overall, really quick, uh, you just look at um, Hawaii and you look at, like, Ohio, and, you know, most people can't afford anything. And then the most recent bill was, like, $96 billion cumulatively going to, you know, Israel and Ukraine. And we spend so much money on war just, like, worldwide. And, you know, people are dying left and right. And, you know, I think, like, the math was, like, you could, like, end world hunger with, like, a billion dollars not too long ago. That was, like, a U.N. number, I thought. And it just it's just insane, you know, how they just spend all of our money and then everything's, you know, in the name of our safety. And then nothing is safe. Mm. You know, like, the border's wide open. The DAs don't enforce anything. And while everything, you know, becomes more and more unstable and the world becomes more poor, they just take more control, you know? It's almost like it's all on purpose. It's almost like they're deceiving us, Joey. No, you're, ex- you're exactly right. And, you know, they, they – it was like a year-long back and forth. They refused to give Donald Trump $5 billion to build the wall. $5 billion was beyond the pale. It was too much money. How dare he ask for that much money? We spend $5 billion, I don't even know, every couple of months dealing with the crisis that has come about because we never built the wall, never reinforced the border. So it's it's all ridiculously absurd. And saying these numbers, we, we almost get, we, we just get used to hearing them. We shouldn't be used to even hearing numbers this size. I need to do an update because a couple years ago, before I was on American Journal or anything, I did a special report talking about George Soros spending $18 billion to influence American elections. And it was just called, you know, what can you buy with $18 billion? It's, it's insane. It's like literally you can buy like every castle in Europe, every island, you know, under 
10 miles wide, like every private island. You could buy all of them. You could fund space shuttles and space stations and stadiums. And like when you list out what you can buy, and that was just $18 billion. Take it up to $95 billion. I mean, Owen did a piece uh, or, or talked about this on War Room earlier this week where it's like, you know, the state-of-the-art stadium in Las Vegas, a job creator, a moneymaker, a, a beautiful, gigantic piece of infrastructure, and it costs under $2 billion. So just think about a hundred, the 100 biggest cities in America all having a massive infrastructure program take place there. Again, I would rather our government, you know, A, not exist, but if they have to exist, B, not take our money and spend it. But if we're going to spend our money, if they're going to take our money and uh, spend it on something, I would rather it be on something that even tangentially benefits us, even just by accident might benefit some of us by giving us a stadium or nicer roads or airports or bridges. I mean, our bridges are collapsing. Every report that comes out is like 60 plus percent of American bridges are in imminent danger of collapse. It's insane. It is insane the amount of money that we're spending on this stuff. And uh, maybe maybe we need to do that. Maybe we need to actually like, because there's such big amounts of money, it's like impossible to even imagine what you could buy with it. But what we're buying with it is um, eternal war and global enmity. So that's what we're purchasing. Thank you so much for the call, Joey. Uh, let's go to John in Texas. Want to talk about Russia? Uh, John, thank you for calling in. You're on the air. Oh, we only have about a, about a minute left, but uh, we'll hold you over if, you're, if your comments take longer than that. Go ahead, John. Yeah, hey, how's it going? Uh, I just wanted to, uh, it's Lebanon, John. I wanted to remind everybody that me and Harrison in the past, we covered these prophecies about World War III. It's been a while, and now I think they're more relevant than ever because uh, the Muslim commander for Putin, Kadyrov, he said that after Ukraine, they're going to keep going. And, uh, I, you know, I, I personally don't look at these guys as, as uh, the bad guys or something, um, even though he said that. So uh, I bet the West had a part to play in making them come to that conclusion because they, as Putin said in the speech, you know, rejected being uh, neutral with Russia three times. So that's probably why they're, you know, saying we're just going to fight. But, uh, yeah, so after Ukraine, he said they're going to keep going. And so where would they keep going? What does that mean? Uh, well, Putin's speech, he laid it out pretty clear that um, the, the Vatican and Rome, uh, through Poland and through the fake Ukrainian church that they just made, they, they want to Catholicize and uh, incorporate uh, these Orthodox groups you know, into the Vatican. And uh, Putin is willing to fight for his co-religionists. So I will say, stay, stay on the line, John. We got to go to break. We'll be back in a couple minutes, and I want to pick it up there because uh, I mentioned the prophecy yesterday, but I didn't actually get into it. So let's revisit that prophecy and see how Orthodoxy and Catholicism plays in to the Ukraine conflict. All I do is research, research trends, and I see what is having the best effects, what is having the best reviews. So a couple years ago, I saw different formulas out there that are known to create compounds the blood that flush out the body and that create what they call vasodilation opening up the arteries opening up the veins which is so important not just for young people but especially older people 
And so then I had Dr. Judy Mikovits, who's such a renowned scientist and a whistleblower. She said, I love your formula. It's one of the best out there. And so this product, Nitric Boost, became a bestseller. Well, we decided to soup it up and make it even stronger. So it's the original formula, just a little bit stronger. Now Nitric Boost is available at InfoWarsStore.com. Because the problem was the supplier we had couldn't supply enough. We were selling out very, very quickly. But now we've got a big supply of Nitric Boost in stock, ready to ship at InfoWarsStore.com. And when I talk about vasodilation and the nitric oxide is a potent vasodilator meant it can help relax and widen blood vessels this can lead to increased blood flow and improved circulation which is critical to various body functions so ladies and gentlemen it funds the info war it's an amazing product so we have the new and improved super powerful nitric boost back in stock ready to ship for 40 percent off at infowarstore.com this is a true win-win this has the very same effect as some of the male enhancement things out there, but totally naturally. This does it in a natural way, and not that I need those products, but I've tried them. I've been to the doctor. They give you a prescription of it, and I've tried the top brands, the two top brands. And I'm not even trying to say that's what this is. That's off-label. That's not what this is even for. This is a supplement. But it is incredible what it does for your body. So get this amazing product now in stock, ready to ship, Nitric Boost today at InfoWarsStore.com for 40% off. You fund the InfoWar. It's so good for your body. Get it while you can. Well, well, nitric oxide is a key. It's made by our own bodies again. It's made by L-citrulline and, and L-arginine, the amino acids. So we're fed. You can, you can get it from beet powder and other things. The nitric oxide relaxes the endothelium, the vasculature. It relaxes the vein. It's a natural blood pressure. In fact, I use the two, your InfoWars. I keep that on my shelf. And I feed myself the Cardio Miracle, which is just for straight food. It's a different formulation than that one and the two together are a one-two punch so you get in your food the ability to make what you need and no more you've looked at our formula you, you like it i did and i do yes well, I, i'm not a scientist so, like you what is what do these compounds do creating nitrous oxide what does it do um it relaxes the vasculature so the clot will go through and not restrict it allows it to relax it lowers the blood pressure has the uh, toxic um, synthetic lipid nanoparticles similar to the one in the COVID shot. We saw athletes dropping dead on the field, um, passing out, falling down, all the things. Yeah, why seeing. is it particularly the athletes? They're operating at such a high level in their mitochondria. This is an energy production, oxygen um, necessary disease because athletes are running, they're constricted, they're, they're working so that the blood flows and it doesn't flow, which is why your nitric oxide um, product that new products I hope you'll show it because that's a very important thing to have for acute events be it dissolve under the tongue give you an instant relaxing of your endothelium your vasculature so get nitric boost today at infowarstore.com for 40 percent off get it while you can if you are receiving this transmission you are the resistance all right welcome back ladies and gentlemen john from texas 
has called in. I, I mentioned the prophecy a little bit yesterday, John, uh, but but didn't really get into it. For people who haven't heard it, just a uh, the re- very quick summation is essentially a prophecy about Turkey trying to invade or attack Greece, Russia coming in to defend their co-religionist with the Orthodox country of Greece, and essentially nuking Turkey, like going all out against Turkey, attacking Turkey savagely, and uh, basically it's it's a prophecy about how World War III will start over uh, Greece and Turkey and, and a, a conflict there. And you know, I hadn't thought about that in terms of what um, Putin was talking about, but when he goes into the history and he's portraying Russia as, as many Orthodox refer to it like the third Rome, where you had Rome and then you had uh, Constantinople, which was the capital of the Byzantine Orthodox Empire. And then you had a, was a princess from uh, the Byzantium going up and moving to Moscow. And then when uh, the Byzantine Empire was destroyed in a combination by Islamic immigration and then the Catholic Crusades that came ostensibly to help the Orthodox fight the Islamics, but ended up turning on the Orthodox and like sacking Constantinople themselves. And so Constantinople fell, or uh, Turkey became Turkey, stopped being Byzantium. And so Moscow represents the new home of the Orthodox Church. But how does this play into what Putin was saying in his interview with Tucker Carlson? Right. So um, basically he's saying he tried to make peace with NATO multiple times. Uh, three times to be exact is is the ones that he listed, and he and basically it sounded like uh, somebody Putin uh, in his usual fashion giving people the chance to avoid violence by basically saying, "Well, I've tried diplomacy, I've tried peace, I've tried communication, and it didn't work. I've tried three times. Now I'm justified for violence." This is like a code of ethics or something because he's trying to be orthodox. You know, he himself, whatever flaws he may have, he's trying to operate under these basic rules that if you're gonna if you're gonna go to war with someone, you got to try peace a couple times first. In fact, these are even rules in Islam in the Quran. That's what it says, and you have to give them the chance before you can attack them. Violence can't just be uh, unprovoked and uh, without warning. And so, these, what this the speech represents warning. He's saying, I feel camaraderie. All of the Russians feel camaraderie with Serbia, even though it's not really, you know, anywhere near Russia. It's quite a distance away from Russia, and there's a lot of countries between Serbia and Russia. But nonetheless, nonetheless, he feels sympathy for, under Bill Clinton, the breaking up of Yugoslavia leading to Kosovo and the assistance of Muslims by the United States and NATO. Uh, And there there was a huge episode. A lot of us were little kids or possibly not even born yet. But basically, it was a really dark time. NATO bombed Orthodox Christians on their Easter, even riding on the missiles, Happy Easter. And they commanded Wesley Clark, who was the head general of NATO forces at that time, to bomb a Russian base. And he refused and had to be removed from his post. Hmm. And many people accredit him with averting World War III in, in those days. Nonetheless, in those days, Russia supported the Serbians. Now, this is a very controversial issue because people from Bosnia who are Muslim they hate the Serbians because they say that they were being genocided. And then the Serbians will say, well, they were genociding us back. This is one of the most controversial, uh, heated divisions uh, between brothers that you'll ever find. These are Slavic people where half are Orthodox, half are Muslim. 
and NATO came in 100% on the Muslim side. So all you, you know, Western, pro-Western people who are like, you know, oh, but the Muslims are the threat. No, your leaders supply and fund and radicalize the worst Muslims, okay? So you need to realize Saudi Arabia has been an ally of the United States forever. So this concept that we're going to stand against Islam in the West, no, that, that's very simple. So why is Catholic okay, but Orthodox isn't? Why is this Muslim okay, but this Muslim? See, there's a, there's a, the truth is, is that they have a plan for one world religion. All the denominations that are under their control are cool. They don't care. You're under their control, that's fine. If you're independent, you've got to be removed. So the Orthodox Church, out of Russia specifically, and other ones too, but specifically the Russian Orthodox, is protected by a strong Russian state, and it is independent. What that means is, when they go forward with their big agenda to roll out one world religion after they rebuild the third temple and roll out the fake messiah the one world religion it's the, the pope is going to command his followers to go along with this so is the mainstream muslim authority and obviously so are the zionists why am i saying obviously well because it's the zionists who are literally going to build the third temple and are going to roll out the fake messiah pa- patriarch hero of the russian orthodox church has said that we will fight against the Antichrist. We'll never succumb. We'll never fold into this one religion. And so they have to be, you know, they are slated for destruction or they're listed as, uh, you know, people who can't be there. So what? So Ukraine is, is the headway, the, the, the tip of the spear against Russia. And the, they provoked Russia intentionally, probably to try to bog them down. I mean, they're going to fight Russia to the last Ukrainian. They don't care about Ukraine <laughs> at all. And so they've all of Ukraine used to be Russian Orthodox. And the Orthodox people in Ukraine, they're in the exact same religion as the Russian Orthodox, to the point where they have the same bishop, or patriarch Kirill. I mean, it's literally the same exact religion. So they are uh, brothers and cousins going back for a long time. So when Western Ukraine got taken over by Poland, in the speech, Putin is talking about how the Orthodox Church is... Ah, shoot, we, uh, we lost you there, John. Dang it! I was like very enthralled. I was very enthralled in that because yeah, it's very interesting. I, I I know one thing I can say is it was so the Ukraine churches were under the authority of uh, the bishop, the Russian Orthodox bishop Kirill, and they wanted to break away, I guess, and create their own church, which is the Ukrainian Orthodox Church, and they got permission to do that from the Metropolitan, the bishop in Istanbul, which is which is weird, which is not, he didn't have authority to give, the, you know, he couldn't give them the right to break away from the Russian church. It would, would have had to been Kirill. It would have had to been the, the, you know, Moscow bishop who would have to give Ukraine permission to leave. And he didn't. Instead, it was the bishop from Istanbul kind of a, a, almost acting like a pope of orthodoxy, and orthodoxy doesn't have a singular pope. Uh, John, I understand you're back. We got cut off there. We have three minutes left, yes, though. exactly. So the... The State Department, the CIA have installed a, a bishop in a position, a prominent position in the Orthodox world, the Patriarch of Istanbul or Constantinople, the same city, changed its name. So historically, that's where the Byzantine Empire was officiated out of. So that's supposed to be one of the most important uh, patriarchs of the entire Orthodox world. But that was like a thousand years ago. Since then, we call Moscow the Third Rome and the Russian state was, I don't know how many years, maybe 800 years, maybe 700 years of Orthodox Christian uh, government. So that's why it, it has the title of the Third Rome. But anyway, the point is, 
through the State Department, through the CIA, for the plan of the Antichrist. They want to roll orthodoxy into the Vatican system. That by 2025, they're going to declare that orthodoxy and Catholicism have unified, and this is totally phony and totally fake. So it's very similar to how in Catholicism you have trad casts who don't really like the current movements in Catholicism, but basically the authorities are going to move on and, and create a religion, a type of Catholicism that they don't agree with, and they're just going to be, I don't know what, they're going to be in their own denomination, or they're, going to, they're like, we're the real Catholics. Well, they're trying to do the same thing to the Orthodox, where the official bishops, they want them all to go with the Antichrist. And if you want to stay actually Orthodox, it's almost like you're not even going to have an official bishop, because remember in the Bible it says even the elect will be deceived. So as you get closer to the end times, it's going to be harder and harder and harder to find a church that isn't completely taken over. And that's why you got people like Brother Nathaniel, who talks about the Russian Orthodox Church is legit, because they are not going with this agenda whatsoever. And they basically come out and publicly said, Russia as a state is actually going to fight in war against the Antichrist. They say this publicly. And, and so people in America don't even know this is being discussed. They are, they've, they've explained that if their co-religionists come under attack, that they're willing to go to war for that. And so that sounds to me like laying the groundwork for how they're going to continue the war against NATO. And Turkey is the weakest link. Uh, and also Turkey is occupying uh, Orthodox Christian uh, land historically wow yeah and then uh, and there's some other you know updates to this just a few days ago uh greece um legalized gay marriage or the first orthodox country to do so and then of course we know as as we've heard john we had a, a call with a with a protestant who was very in favor of the coming messiah thinking it was jesus christ coming again uh, which would be for most people in the Orthodox Church, the Antichrist. So Protestants, Catholics, Jews, Muslims, all awaiting the coming of this Messiah after the building of the Third Temple, unified under a single religion, as we've discussed on this show many times. People like Alex Newman reporting on uh, actually buildings and, and the Abrahamic faith all combining into one. Fascinating stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, sold out for five months the number one strongest turmeric in the world, Body's Ultimate Turmeric Formula is back in stock. It's turmeric concentrate. It's 95% curcuminoid. We went to the top lab and said, what's the strongest you put out? They said like 87%. Most companies put out raw turmeric, it's 5%, 4%. This is 95% curcuminoid, okay? So this is like, I guess the example's like, instead of eating, you have to eat like, you have 10 of those other pills just to get what is in one of these. And it's got some other key ingredients in it that the experts say helps upload the turmeric. It's anti-inflammatory. It's good for your heart, your brain, everything. It is 40% off, back in stock, Body's Ultimate Turmeric Formula, InfoWarsStore.com. The all-time fan classic Bodies, 40% off, back in stock. And even made stronger, new and improved, and we got it with a bigger manufacturer, so we can discount it too. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We have Nitric Boost. It cleans out the blood, the heart, goes out with spike proteins, everything. Dr. Mikovich is talking about this for 40% off as well. And this is selling out, but despite that, it's still 30% off. It's next level foundational energy, the methyl folate, the key compound of other ingredients that clean out your cells and that are the main energy source. Popeye takes spinach. That's why it's so strong. What's in that? Folic acid. This is the breakdown concentrate 
of folic acid after the cells break it down. So this just goes right in there like nitrous oxide in, in, in a race car, okay? So you go from 800 horsepower to 1500 horsepower when you turn on the nitrous. I can't even take this, okay? Okay, I turn into a psychotic goblin, okay? okay but I'm just telling you right now, you want next level financial energy, get it, InfoWarsStore.com.